The Start On Demand. On demand. The province is maybe, maybe going to make some changes to the level red restrictions, loosening things up just a little bit. So we have much to discuss this morning on that front, including organized sports, as in no organized sports being considered for those possible changes. Hockey Manitoba joined us this morning to provide some reaction. City Hall is looking at lowering the residential speed limit in Winnipeg. We spoke to Transcona Councillor Sean Nason about that. And passwords! There are too many passwords. We talked about password mayhem and chaos. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, January 20th, Inauguration Day podcast for the start. McGarry and McNabb. I'm watching Dr. Brent Rusin yesterday, and I the, <laughs> feel selfish for saying this, but all I could kept thinking was, please say barbershops, please say barbershops, please say barbershops. And he said barbershops. So uh, I'm hey. at least looking forward to February 3rd, if this happens. You're not alone. I had I was playing with the kids yesterday. I was ta- We were talking about fake wrestling as on the side and fake wrestling moves. And so we were showing them Hulk Hogan videos, which is just a great education. Yes. But that had my, me in a position that had my kids saying, oh, you got a lot of gray hairs, mom. And oh. I was like, you, you got a lot of gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> just like a full immature. But yes, a lot of people are focusing on the hair. And GMAC, you've got some flow. So that's the good news. Unless you're going to keep the flow. Um, as far as I'm concerned in my house, the barbershops and beauty salons are not open yet. So if we could keep that on the keep down the low so I can keep the flow, that'd be great. <laughs> no, is that because you're, you're like, you don't want to go, like you want to keep the hair or no, you just want it. to stay away? Okay. Yeah, I want to keep it. Okay. I want to keep it. It's a good look. So yes, um, we had lots to discuss this morning on the proposed loosening of restrictions. Uh, not not a lot, though. A lot of people are saying, like, what was the point of this survey if you're barely going to do anything? They're talking about allowing removing the essential items list, so that means all stores can reopen with the same 25% capacity rules, but no changes for restaurants, no changes for gyms, no changes for minor hockey, Loren. So yeah, a lot of people... People wondering what was the point? I have to say, I actually felt the opposite. I know I did that survey and I went through it. And so I think there were people who thought, well, because they're asking me how I feel about, you know, where to rank my thoughts on restaurants, where to rank my thoughts on organized sports, that 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 meant those changes were coming. But I had the opposite reaction. I thought, whoa, this is far more than I expected. And we'll get into this throughout the morning, but particularly when it comes to the changes to the gathering. And I only say that I understand for single people, for seniors, for people living alone, that you'd like to have more people over or be able to visit more people. But the the immediate changes that could potentially be coming that could allow me to have two people in my home, I thought that was um, a bigger change than I expected. And then the real retail one, you know, allowing some retail or all retail to open at limited capacity uh, made sense to me on the business side. And I and I hurt for restaurants for sure. But the gatherings is where I where my mind stuck, Greg. Well, I'm surprised that they haven't made any qualifications on adding those two people to your circle. Because essentially, as we understand it, of course, these are just 
what was presented yesterday. The notion is that potentially you could have two people over Friday night and then a different two people over Saturday night and then a different two people over Sunday afternoon. And that's a that's an exponential shift versus designating one person. But, Brett, you made a tremendous point. I mean, uh, at least in our household, there's four of us. There's four people in Loren's household. This, yeah. is, this is far more difficult for people in your situation than it is for us. Yeah, and, I, and when I make those points, again, I'll, you know, I, I always sort of offer this preface. Like, I'm not saying this because I'm looking for sympathy or asking for people to feel sorry for me. Uh, I've been doing okay on my own, but... It's been months uh, since this pandemic and a couple of months of level red. I am starting to lose it. I'm starting to go stir crazy. The only person I can see outside of work and outside of the clerks at Safeway and the, the liquor mart next door are is my dad. That's it. So it would be nice to see one or two of my friends. I don't plan on doing this like world tour where I go see all of my friends, but I need to, some outside companionship. So I... I appreciate the fact that they're yeah. allowing this, but I, I do agree that maybe designating a couple of people would be safer than just saying, ah, two people here, two people there. Yeah, they're not saying just two people, like you have the one, two designated people, right? That's the, I think that's part of the concern I have because they're just going to, I just worry there's going to be those who take advantage of it. And then on the flip side, you know, you can hear the argument saying, well, hang on, I can have two people into my home or I can go over to someone else's home, but the four of us can't go to a restaurant. And I appreciate that there's that conversation going on too. And I know they're trying to find a balance with a slow reopening and making sure we do things right and easy because I don't, who at the very least, who wants to come back to this again if ever let alone you know maybe a, a slow re- coming back to some restrictions in the months ahead right we want this to be over and done with right and so i, I want an ease into it and at the same time i hear it from every angle about the you know that confusion about well, hey i can do this but i can't do that and you know it's it's a lot the concern is a false start for me and the concern is and let's be honest i i mean we know that there are people who are stretching the rules right now. And it's sort of, I was talking to Phil Aubrey from Power 97 this morning. We had the same take on it. It's sort of like the idea of putting the speed limit on the Trans-Canada Highway to 120 when 20% of the people are already doing 120. It might be permission for some people to go to 130 or 140. And so we already know that there are people that are having folks in their homes that aren't supposed to do that, that are stretching the rules. And so these rules are obviously much more lenient. You know that their people are going to take them beyond what's suggested. And that's the concern is that that is that that might create this false start. So much to discuss this morning, and you can, of course, weigh in at 204-780-6868. Let us know what you think about these proposed loosened restrictions, which we'll learn more of. Uh, I think it was, uh, Dr. Rusin said, uh, was it tomorrow, Loren? Yeah. yeah, we'll have more information on that tomorrow. In the meanwhile, today, if you are looking for a restriction, anyone got uh, the TV set up for 10 a.m. and a little inauguration? Hey, get some cheese nachos going and- <laughs> Oh. Make an event out of it? <laughs> what is your inauguration day grub? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Jets grub, and of course uh, the Jets uh, eked out a win yesterday, so that was fun to watch. And then I am curious, you know, like these are big days in the States, and they draw attention from around the world. So President Joe Biden going to be inaugurated this morning. Very different ceremony, guys, than any other year. I think that's safe to say. But I'm going to be watching with 
I've got some falafels I actually want to cook up. That's falafels. my inauguration day food. Yeah. Changes to gathering sizes and more could be coming later this week. For people that are by themselves or have one or two people, it's nice with older parents and that. It's nice to be able to go and check on them. I would have liked to see at least five indoors, but I mean, as long as we're opening up a little bit, I think that that's good. I have a haircut appointment already scheduled for the first week of February, so I'm excited. I'm going to get my hair chopped off shorter just in case we have restrictions again. Well, that's thinking ahead. I like uh, proactive planning. Uh, that the reaction from uh, regular everyday Manitobans as we enter uh, this uh, next phase of restrictions and some loosening of the code red restrictions are in the offing coming on Friday. Uh, the one thing that has a lot of people talking uh, outside of the fact you'll be able to go get a haircut is the whole change, the potential change to how many people you might be able to welcome into your home. And uh, for me, that's something that uh, really needs to be considered very closely. I'll be surprised if they do it exactly how was suggested yesterday. Gathering sizes could change indoors and out. Here's Global's Joe Scarpelli with what else potentially is coming later this week. We want to be able to progressively reopen this province without having to stop and reset. Some of the changes being considered include loosening gathering restrictions by allowing households to have two people over at a time. Non-essential retail may be permitted to reopen with occupancy limits and non-regulated health services as well as barbershops and hairstylists may also reopen at 25% capacity and be required to collect client information for contact tracing purposes. Noticeably absent from the considerations, gyms, restaurants and faith-based gatherings. I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, uh, Manitobans question why didn't we open more or why didn't we open this and that. We're concerned about the number going up. We're concerned about ever having to uh, close things again. So that's why we're taking a very cautious approach. Because of concerns about outbreaks in some parts of the province, these changes likely won't be applied to all regions. It is possible that any of these proposed changes um, would only apply to um, uh, regions other than Northern Health. None of the proposed changes have been finalized. The new version of the public health orders should be revealed later this week, with the province looking at the next possible set of changes in about three weeks' time. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. So cautious approach is what he continues to say. I know there are some within the business community that wish they'd have more details sooner, right? Because they want to reopen as soon as possible. And that includes retail, which has been told that potentially uh, they can be allowed to open for in-person sales uh, with 25% of occupancy, a maximum of 250 people. And so they're looking forward to that possible change. But as Joe mentions, restaurants, no changes coming for them. They'll be stuck with curbside delivery, takeout, gyms, not opening anytime soon, rinks, pools, uh, dance studios. They're also not scheduled for reopening. And so after 8.07, Brett, we're going to talk more with Hockey Manitoba about what they had hoped to hear uh, and contingency plans they might now be making for a return to play because there was also a lot of people on on Twitter expressing uh, their questions as to, hang on, you know, what, what's the deal? Why can't we do at least some organized sports? So we'll hear more from Hockey Manitoba at 8.07. Now, many 
Restaurants have already put thousands of dollars into equipment and procedures designed to make their spaces safer. Sean Jeffrey is the executive director of the Manitoba uh, Food Services Association. He says most are operating now at just 10 or 20 percent of their revenue. We just missed out on one of our busiest times of the year being December and then uh, getting very close to uh, to Valentine's Day, which is our second busiest day of the year other than Mother's Day. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, we don't know how many more of these, uh, how many more of these important, strategically large revenue days we can continue to miss when uh, when operators are already so significantly deteriorated, both in revenues and mental state. You know, we're we're talking about uh, you know the state of these uh, these local operators and how how they're going to be able to handle this mentally and um, you know, and speaking with some operators, people that normally be super confident people that I've been talking to, super positive, super energetic people, um, the detriment and the sorrow in their in their attitudes and their voices is just monumental on how much of a toll this has taken on them. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite significant. We're hoping that, uh, and we we beg the province to to allow us to at least open up for for Valentine's Day, so we have something to be able to look forward to. Greg, you spent all kinds of time in the restaurant industry. Sean Jeffrey, yesterday, one of the things he said was uh, a lot of restaurants will open even if capacity is only twenty five percent, because just because they're people, people they miss being around people. You're probably the the people person. People person is person I've no. So Peter Peck to Paca Pickle Peppers. <laughs> but yes, no, that's true. Go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. No, I, don't I, apologize. I, I think uh, there is a lot to what Sean had to say about that. Uh, people. <laughs> People persons <laughs> also care about other people and uh, the fact that they be safe and that they be healthy. But uh, yeah, this has got to be incredibly difficult on so many levels for people who are, we say the restaurant industry, I engaged with it from the point of view as the hospitality industry. And I think that's the way a lot of people approach it. I know it's a word with a difference. A different definition, but a distinction. And that's the way most people in that industry approach it. They want to take care of you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Comedian Michael McIntyre has a great bit about passwords in his latest Netflix special. Think back now. Now that... The internet is so much a part of our lives. Think back. Think back to our first password. Because our minds, our brains are so filled with passwords. It's such a struggle for us to remember all the passwords. We go to businesses online and you go, I can't remember. I can't remember my password. And you put it, sometimes they lock you out. And they go, no, you've got one more try to remember your own password. He then goes through the evolution of passwords and the addition of capital letters, special characters, and the quizzes we get when we can't rem- remember our passwords. It is a terrific three and a half minutes where he lands on this. I had no idea these characters were so special until all of our eyes stopped upon the exclamation mark. <laughs> You're coming with me. Which we then put at the end of our now capitalized password, just after the one. And it's at this moment that everybody at the London Palladium is thinking, I should probably change my password. I'm probably going to do that tomorrow. Do that now. 
It's absolutely spectacular. Three minutes, 47 seconds to be exact. I've tweeted out uh, a link uh, to this uh, part of Michael McIntyre's special, and that's my contribution this morning to passwords because I don't think I could say it any better myself. So we're talking password chaos because I know, Loren, uh, out of the rest of most of us on this panel, you've been working at home since March and you have on top of all the passwords we need for our work stuff, you have extra layers because you got to get into what is it VPN access or what have you. Yes. And there's the two factor authentication. And every morning I have to enter a code that gets sent to my phone. And, and really what prompted this is that, you know, when the government put out that survey last week on restrictions and what we would like to see lifted, if anything, I've never done one of those surveys before. And I don't know if you have Brett, but when it made me, when I had to log on to create an account to do this survey, the suggested password I think was M. 6-9-49-772 WXZ it was like outrageous and I thought so that's the suggested password no we're going to go with Loren 1 <laughs> which I didn't but it was ridiculous and I every day just last night kids came upstairs asked about an app I said sure they yelled what's the Apple ID and I said I don't know <laughs> so, <laughs> don't forget and, the exclamation mark oh my god Every day. So, yes, this is where we want to take the conversation today, Brett. Cam Poitras, what are, you, what, are passwords the bane of your existence That's, at times? It's one of the banes of my existence. Uh, you know, I've, I, I've basically given up. Like, there's some of them I just say, I, I just, I'm going to forget this password. I'm just going to have to move on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> Just I'm just going to have to put the, you know, the, the humiliating, I forgot my password, and you have to type it back in, and they send you those questions. And you never remember how you type that question out. You know, what's your what's your mother's maiden name? Well, of course, I know that one, but, like, uh, where, you know, what, what was your favorite television show as a kid? Well, it's like one of six. What was I feeling that day? Um, <laughs> I never know the answer to it. So, yeah, there's too many passwords in my life. Just in, in this building alone, I can think of at least six different passwords that I need to remember for various tasks and they all expire at different times yes so i'll think oh which okay I, this uh, this one's expired which one did it, what did i change it to last time so frustrating and as i mentioned i had to create a 16 character password for something the other day i thought 16 are you kidding me? I know I'm going to forget that the next time I have to use that particular app. So that was a pain. What about you, Forte? Uh, for me, I, I always forget my passwords. I don't remember them. I have all my passwords are going to my one email. So, the funny thing is, I don't remember the password for that email. <laughs> it's, it's always logged on to one computer, so I cannot for you know I cannot log off it. Because if I do, I'm really, really screwed. Because that's where all my passwords go to. Because I, I just click on the website. I uh, don't remember my password. Sends me the email. So I cannot log out of my email. <laughs> like on in that room? No, not in this room. At home. Like my oh. personal, all my personal passwords, they're all linked up to my, my Gmail. So I, I cannot walk out of my oh Gmail on my laptop. And I know there's an app for all this stuff, but I honestly mean it when I say I regularly forget my app for the app store for Apple ID. And so I just, I just give up. I don't even know where to store them. The facial recognition has been an absolute godsend. Remember this password? Would you like to use the strong recommended password? Yes, please. Give me all the strength. <laughs> and then and then remember the password yes but most importantly please remember my face and then it does and so that has become a tremendously helpful tool uh, to ease any password anxiety for me Jeff Braun what about you 
I do have an app on my phone where I keep all my passwords. So, and I'm constantly going back to it and you just, you know, scroll through the list of whatever service I'm trying to use and the password's right there. And then for some of the more important ones, like a credit card or something, I don't write the password in this app because I don't really trust the app, but I just put like a, another, another clue in there. Like <laughs> the password is your favorite bread or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's right. Pumpernickel one. That's <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. There, it, it's a it's source not- of anxiety, though. Just and I've got another thing like 4J2, where I once spent a whole afternoon trying to get a password back for something, but they resent it to this email address I never used anymore. So I <laughs> had to get a new password for that email address because I couldn't remember it. And it was, I went like it was like Inception, where I was just like three layers deep and trying to change one password. Yeah, I almost never use Facebook on a computer. I only use it on my phone. And uh, there was a time a couple of months ago where I tried to open it on a computer and I realized I don't I don't remember the password for this. I can't even remember which email account it's linked to. So that's exactly. a pain. Follow-up question there, Jeff Braun. You sh- I'm surprised to hear that marble rye isn't your favorite kind of bread. Oh, I'm, <laughs> as if I would tell my favorite bread in the... For real in the <laughs> password discussion. That was a fake one in case someone tries to steal my credit card. That's no, it's true. Nobody says pumpernickel. You know, adding to the stress of passwords is that, you know, all of online shopping we do we do now, every single store wants you to create an account. Yes. Oh. I'm trying to order oh, like yeah. ink the other day and it's like, would you like to create it? No, I would not like to create an account. I just want some printer ink and I don't need to tell you about my password because I'm going to forget it anyway. But every single purchase now is linked back to a, a password that I'm never going to remember. Mm. And if you Radio Shack started that when they started yes, asking your yes, phone number that's right, for 40 a battery. years ago. I just want a battery phone number, please. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. We need you to text us a story about how passwords drive you crazy for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. We're bribing you to text us some stories. 204-780-6868. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you to text us at 204-780-6868 a story about how passwords drive you crazy for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia. Greg, what are you seeing? Deborah says, I just love it when you forget your password. So they send a link to create a new one, and you type one that you think is new, and then you get the pop-up message, quote, you cannot use your previous yeah. password. Oh, come <laughs> yes. on! In fact, that- I think in our system, Loren, you can't use a password that's used in the previous year or six months. Yeah, it's it's not just the old old one. It's one that's been used, you know, in the, in, I think we have to change it every few months. And then Tim texted it, and this made me laugh because why do they have to be so judgy, these password overlords? <laughs> Tim says, don't forget when it tells you your password is weak. I just skip it and go right to forgot password. I'm like, don't. Wait, I did that last night. I had to change it for the Apple ID. It said this password is weak. And I was like, I don't care. And I had chosen, I think, something like this is stupid dollar sign one and then i changed it to don't forget dollar sign one and then it kept saying it kept saying your password is weak and i don't know it's just a mishmash of characters now cam saying because of my security clearance i have to change my password every three months and the new one can't be the same as any of my past 20 it's a nightmare cam who do you work for the kremlin like what Why not open up any activities for families with children who are still at home? 
before we play the answer from Dr. Brent Rusin, can I just say how awesome would it be to be introduced by that guy, Paul White, oh. Provincial Communications? Just imagine it, Greg, from North Kildonan, GMAC. Yeah, I want that on my voicemail. From Minnedosa, Loren. Yes, and yesterday, uh, Paul White had to do the work of reporters. Normally, he introduces the reporters, but there was the technical difficulties with the line, and so he was reading the... Reporters' questions, Brett. Yeah, it was a great, uh, it was uh, it was a more entertaining conference as a result of that. But here's Dr. Rusin's answer. Sorry, I, I'll, I'll, let's continue. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by any activities. Uh, you know, outdoor, uh, you know, outdoor activities are permitted at uh, group sizes of five. We're not having organized uh, um, sporting or recreation activities right now. And again, it's because we're, we're taking a cautious approach. We did see transmission in those type of events. And, uh, and so we're going to, um, you know, open very cautiously so we don't have to go back again. Uh, so right now, uh, there's lots of reasons to be out. Um, group size of five. Now, uh, the, you know, group size of five apply to uh, people's uh, yards. And so there are ways to gather uh, outdoors. And there's ways to stay active outdoors. So, um, and further things we'll be uh, reviewing in uh, future iterations. But as it stands right now, according to Dr. Brent Rusin, there's no return to the dance studio, the pool, gym, or indoor rink anytime soon. Organized sports are not being given the go-ahead to return to play. And for more, we're joined now by Peter Woods, who's the Executive Director of Hockey Manitoba. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. I'm just waiting for the Paul White introduction. I was going to try, but I feel like, you know what, you can't, you can't imitate him. I, Peter Woods of Hockey Manitoba. Uh, we can have some laughs this morning, but I know there was a lot of people upset yesterday because they were hoping to hear some good news this week. What was your reaction? Well, I think it was uh, like everyone else, certainly in the sporting world and, and other uh, social activity or recreational activities. It's, uh, it's extremely disappointing. Um, I, I know I understand uh, certainly where the priority is, and it doesn't seem that the sports is given the same level of consideration, maybe some other activities. And I understand that, that, that uh, uh, you know, Dr. Rousen has indicated that he has seen that transmission in those activities, but uh, we're not clear on where that transmission is coming from because certainly in a, we are a sanctioned program, and the data that we have is there hasn't been a significant amount of transmission, and I would like to see a little bit more clarity of that coming from uh, public health to see where the numbers are, what the metrics are, um, you know, that uh, you know, and trust uh, the programs that are running the uh, you know, doing a good job of introducing the return to play protocols. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised to hear that, uh, Peter, because when when you hear a suggestion that there's been that transmission within indoor sports, uh, is it unreasonable? I don't think it is. I'll ask you to ask for a little bit of backup. I know we put a lot of trust in our public health officials, Dr. Rusin in particular. Uh, is it unreasonable to say, hey, uh, you said this, uh, where exactly did this happen? Well, I think that's a, that's a very accurate and, and question that should be answered. And, and it surprises me a little bit that that question has not been put forward from the media, that to, what is the data out there that indicated that? And what is the data or what are the numbers that we need to achieve in order to return to a little bit different level of normalcy that we've had in the past? Does that mean that we need to have a positive uh, 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 rate of, of, of X? And what is that number and how many cases 
uh, do we have to get lower to uh, to ensure that we can return to the sport? I think there's some challenges certainly out there, and it's a very difficult job certainly for the people that are making those decisions. But it would be nice to see that we're giving a little bit more trust to the stakeholders that are involved in not only in sport, but certainly in the business community. Peter, just as you want to defend your sport, I want to just defend the, the the question about the media. I know those questions have been asked. We had even asked this week about, you know, what sort of positivity rate do we think we need to be around to have a more return to more normal? So lots of those questions do get asked. I think sometimes it's a day-by-day, case-by-case answer. But you're right. The need for more clarity is there if we're going to talk about the possibility that transmission is an issue or has been an issue in the past in indoor sports. And so we'll push to get more clarity on that. In the meantime, as someone who I know has put that return to play plan in place several times over now, is there anything you can do or change that you think might help convince health officials that all the proper checks and balances are in place to ensure that there's minimal, if not none, no transmission uh, at the rink or other? Well, I think uh, there there's certainly has to be a level of trust in the people that are involved in, in introducing the return to play. And we were given that direction from public health way back in August that uh, they had felt that they did not necessarily have the same level of expertise or knowledge uh, that a sports governing body would have at that particular level. So they, they've delegated that authority to us, and we've had very little contact directly with them in, in regards to that. And it would be nice to see if there was some continued dialogue on what is the decision-making process to provide us a little bit more direction on things that they would like to see for in our organization to reintroduce the sport. And just the data that we've collected amongst our membership, the numbers are significantly very, very low. And uh, just because somebody participates in the game of hockey or what other sport, and there might be a case, a positive case, was that case uh, and we don't see a spread within the, with the, within our sport. There might have been some cases, but they might have picked that up in some other area. It could be at school. It could be out in a, a social setting. But because they happen to be a participant in the sport, we're kind of labeled with that, that there's a transmission. The transmission has been, from, from our data that we've collected, has been from unsanctioned hockey, which is not an area that we can control. Um, you know, that would be a facility or a public health issue. We can only control the controllables of what exists within our particular sports. So we're just looking for a little bit more direction there. Uh, we understand certainly the pressures that public health is understand, and, and we certainly respect that. But I think there has to be some trust that's placed in, in the community and the people that are involved directly with that sport or that business to provide some level of input. From Hockey Manitoba, Peter Woods. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. Thanks for there, Paul. <laughs> Peter Woods <laughs> joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, whenever we dare talk about the possibility of lowering speed limits on residential streets, we get hammered with texts from listeners who are angry. I mean, I got an email from Sleel. I have not had an angry email from Sleel in a long time. I love getting emails from Sleel uh, in spite of the fact that I disagreed with him today. But, yeah, we got texts from listeners who are angry that people drive too fast, angry that they drive too slow, angry that something hasn't already been done about it. Yeah, and it's a highly debated topic everywhere. Take a look at the situation in Alberta. We first started talking about this several months ago after we learned that city councillors in both Edmonton and Calgary 
put forward a motion that would see speed limits on some residential streets lowered to 40 kilometers per hour. And in those cities, transportation committees actually approved the change, but it's now hit a roadblock. I'm not sure if it's because it's contentious or if they're looking for more info, but Calgary at least wants to put that question of lowering speed limits to voters instead of councillors, meaning it could end up as a ballot question, a plebiscite, on the next municipal election in that city. Oh, don't get me started on the plebiscite idea. Does that sound like a good idea to you, Transcona City Councillor? Sean Nason seems to think so. Good morning, Councillor. Good morning, guys. <laughs> hey, you sound defeated already. I, I'm ready I'm uh, ready to go toe-to-toe toe here because... Uh, absolutely. I didn't sleep last night, uh, you know, twisting and turning, trying to figure out how to position this. I look at you guys as my pregame warm-up for the main event, uh... <laughs> You know, it's the preliminary fight for right. the main event today. All right. Well, then you should be able to. I've got a two-part question here. I'm going to take it to your own neighborhood here. I have a question yeah. about the speed limit on Plessy's between Gun Road and Transcona Boulevard. That's 60 kilometers per hour, correct? Be- sorry, between Plessy. No, on Plessy between no, sorry, Gun Plessy and Transcona. Street. Boulevard. Yeah, it it slows down just north of Transcona uh, Boulevard. Why does it? Okay, so it's sixty in that in that one stretch, but then it goes down to fifty. Why does it go down to fifty yeah. for two blocks there? Actually, it goes down to fifty from Transcona Boulevard, Transcona Boulevard area, all the way to south of Camille Sice, um, and residents on Camille are just north of Camille Sice, south of Dougal Road. Uh, they're having their own challenges with with heavy trucks and and multiple vehicles uh, going at accelerated weight rates above the 50 uh, in that area. So uh, speed is a challenge in, in finding the right speed. We have engineers, uh, traffic engineers in the city of Winnipeg that, that have, you know, engineered our roadways to be certain speeds. Um, having consistent speeds on routes is important. So the drivers know that when they go from a four-lane divided roadway, to another four-lane divided roadway, if it's 50 or 60, some some are 50, some are 60. We can go over to Stafford, argue that one all day. Why is that a 50? Uh, you know, you go on Taylor, Taylor's a 60, Grant is a 50. Um, it's just such a varying degree of speeds in the city. It's confusing. Um, and this would only add more confusion by having residential as as something lower than 50. But you're you're highlighting my point exactly, uh, Councillor, and that yeah. is how on earth should you be allowed to travel at the same speed on that four-lane divided road between Transcona Boulevard and, yeah. and, and, and almost to Dougald Road at 50 kilometers an hour as you can on my residential Bay Crescent, whatever you want to call it, that has no sidewalks and has zero straight lines and people cut corners, cut the stop sign. How can you rationalize having that speed limit the same on that side street, on that residential area, as that major thoroughfare? Well, I don't have I don't have the ring that says engineering. That's that's the challenge. I trust on those experts, those designers, road build environment to determine what is an acceptable speed. It's been fifty maximum, fifty. And as a default speed for residential streets in Winnipeg for decades, advances in, in our in our vehicles, the technology that they have, but it's maximum. When you're driving on streets, my, my street in Transcona doesn't have a sidewalk. 
built in 1986. The, the, the challenge is, and I've been there for, for almost 20 years in this house, the challenge is that I know I bought that house. I know it doesn't have a sidewalk. But my expectation is people are driving for conditions. If people are on the roadway walking, right, because there's no sidewalks, you're not doing 50. If you're doing 50, you're driving imprudently. You but you're allowed, you're allowed to drive 50, Sean. And Max, the, and, and, maximum 50. Uh, that's right. You're, hold I on. Hold on. Hold on. You're allowed to do 50. And you mentioned engineers. So why, on one hand, are you going to sit here with us and say that the engineers, they're the, they're the ones that know all about this. Hold, and then now you're going to, and then you're going to turn it over to the public in a plebiscite. Well, great, great point. So what I'm hearing, and I've been floating these balloons since right after being elected, and I've taken some heat over even suggesting 30, 40, 50. I put a post out a couple of years ago about that. Why are you advocating for lower speeds? There's nothing wrong. What, I, what I've seen in different jurisdictions is different cities are built different ways. The city of Winnipeg and the, the mishmash that, that comes with Unicity, we have straight tracks. We've got stop signs up the wazoo. We have some driving challenges. The, the reason for the plebiscite is I, I'm reading the tea leaves. I'm seeing how we engage uh, the public. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And I see this being pushed forward as something that somebody wants to get in while nobody's paying attention. Just vote against it then at City Hall, Sean. Like, why put it to the voters if you're hearing pushback? You know, that's the question we have this morning. That's what we elect our officials to do is to make those choices. Great, great point. Reading the tea leaves at City Hall, I can almost articulate, I, I won't do that, but I can almost articulate who would vote for it and against it on City Council. The votes are there to lower the speed limits. I'm trying to raise it so that the city of Winnipeg residents, the 800,000 strong, have a voice on this matter. Want to just quickly revisit the chat on speed? We had a there was a spirited debate last half hour, uh, just after eight fifty, with Transcona Councillor Sean Nason because some city councillors are eyeing the potential at lowering residential speed limits. And Greg, you made uh, the comparison. You asked him, "How is it that Plessy's in Transcona from?" Transcona Boulevard, all the way beyond uh, down, way down to the golf course, is 50. But it's also 50 on your residential bay slash crescent slash uh, half moon, whatever you want to call it. Right. And he said, well, I don't wear the title engineer. Is that answer a cop-out? In my mind, it is. You can, on one hand, come here for a conversation about this and cite the fact that engineers are the experts and they're the ones that should decide and and we're going to leave it in the hands of those fine people and then say that you're going to take this public and have everyone in Winnipeg who wants to vote on it, vote on it. It's totally a, a deferral of not only your responsibility as a city councillor, but at that point, do we not just all get an app on our phone and let's just vote on everything? What do we need city councillors for? Let's just get an app on our phone. We'll just vote for everything. If you're going to defer things that you're afraid that you don't like is what I'm hearing. He's reading the tea leaves at City Hall, Loren, and he believes there are enough votes on city council to vote in something that he's not in favor of. So his answer is let everyone vote on it. So this is happening in Calgary. They've debated this for years to lower speed limits. They approved it at a transportation committee in the fall. And now Calgary is considering putting it to a pleb posit. And here's what Mayor Nahid Nenshi had to say about that. In Calgary, he has an antipathy. Antip- 
how do you pronounce it? Antipathy and antipathy to plebiscites. He's against them because he figures <laughs> that people elected, you know, city politicians to do the job. And he said they spent a ton of money reliving very, looking very deeply into scientific data and they have the information. And so the councillors should vote on it. And that's how I feel about, about most things. If you, if you really are hearing from so many of your constituents that don't like it, then vote on behalf of your constituents. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we still have that $20 gift card giveaway for Santa Lucia Pizza, by the way. We called an audible, but we didn't tell you that we called the audible. I kind of forgot to mention that in our last segment. So my apologies to you if you're feverishly waiting to find out if you won based on your text messages. We're going to do that in our next segment, okay? Because normally we talk to Jeff Courier in our next segment, but we have the special inauguration coverage with Donna Friesen from Global News. So that's from 10 until 12. So Jeff Courier gets a pass today. So in the meantime, uh, we do want to spend this segment talking restrictions in a moment, but I do want to just revisit the speed topic one more time, the residential speed, because they're talking about it at City Hall today, the possibility of lowering it, and it's something that's been talked about for years. And I'm just curious, Greg, if they were to, let's say that they lowered the the speed limit residentially to 40, Mm -hmm. but made it universal, like school zones included, so that there was no 40 and then 30 in school zones. It's just 40. Would that not eliminate the whole cash grab argument? Because there'd be, that way, if they're, if they've posted up outside of school on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. they're not enforcing a school zone speed. They're just enforcing the residential speed. I think you make a great point. I was just speaking with Tristan Field-Jones in the newsroom about this idea of consistency. And I get the consistency thing. I understand people's frustration with the lack of consistency with regard to speed limits. But I also, you know, personally... I'm in favor of those 30 kilometer an hour or reduced speed zones around school. And, and Brett, I think you could sell me on a 40 on that. But, you know, I appreciate that people are also jaded by the fact that enforcement around those school zones feels like a cash grab at times because of all the qualifications in that bylaw. It's two hours a day in the morning, two hours a day in the afternoon. It's from September until June. And a lot of people at at City Hall or police uh, that enforce this will say, well, we like the consistency, so we don't want to, over Christmas or spring break, stop enforcing that speed zone. Well, hold on. You've already got three separate qualifications on this by law already and you're concerned about adding one more or maybe eliminating all of them by going as you say brett 24 7 with a 40 and tristan says well instead of a school zone call it a community zone or it's just now the residential or the community speed limit or the default speed limit and you know all the situations and people talking about that you risk alienating people who would support this like me who say come on you haven't done everything you can do to make those school zones as safe as they can be you've delayed and delayed the offer of putting in these amber lights which would make these uh, speed zones these school zones more visible to people in their vehicles and and you can argue all you want about whether or not uh, people who 
go faster than 30, deserve the ticket or not, whether they're going 32, 33, that's beside the point. My argument is this. If you're concerned about the safety around those schools, then you should be doing absolutely everything in your power to make those areas as safe as possible. And then you know what? If you want to triple the fines in those areas, I'm fine with it. But don't have this hodgepodge of regulations around the bylaw and then tell me that I'm the one that has to be paying attention all the time. Like we want to be driving fluently and not be defensive is one thing. Paranoid is another altogether. And, you know, people are trying to live differently right now in their neighborhoods, Loren. We've seen it over the pandemic. We've seen parts of the city where they've shut down what would be otherwise residential or actually regional roads for, for recreational purposes and people trying to share the road with vehicles, I think the notion that that roads are just for cars and for people to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, that attitude is shifting in our society. And I just, I would just like to say this, I'm really tired of having to have my own restrictions in my house of when my kids can play basketball in the driveway. Because I tell my kids, look, between four and six o'clock. It's just too risky. There's too many people that cut the corner. We're four houses from a stop sign. People cut the corner and they come around that corner at 45, 50, 55 kilometers an hour. I see it all the time. And we know that the basketball is going to end up on the road. And so when I have to keep my kids inside from playing a game on my property because of what inevitably happens when you're playing those games, I, I think we have to rethink uh, the way we approach these things. What we're talking about here is the, the notion that safety is paramount, and we see hear that all the time. And so I think people want to hear that if we have a discussion about lowering residential speed limits, what's the data show us? And so we do know that every time you lower your speed by 5 and 10 or 15 kilometers per hour, you can stop more quickly. You can reduce the possibility of a crash. And we often hear from people, well, how many pedestrians have been hit on residential streets or how many crashes have occurred on those streets with these current 50 kilometer per hour speed limits and everybody wants to have some data to back it up so that's where i'm at with this as we speak right now 9 30 executive policy committee meeting began uh happens every month it's the mayor's inner circle they vote on a variety of issues and transcona councillor sean nason is standing before that committee this morning saying hey instead of debating residential speed limits as a council his motion this morning is Let's have a plebiscite on this issue in the next municipal election. Let's, let's put it to a vote. And I think that's where I have the biggest issue out of all of this, not only because we elect officials to make these decisions, but for the past 10 months, we've been, you know, when it comes to say to anything from City Hall or to the pandemic, most people just say, show me the data that backs that up and I'm all in. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. We've got lots of text, lots of emails. Feel free to continue to weigh in as you have also weighed in this morning on the possible loosening of restrictions. Yesterday, Dr. Brent Rusin unveiling that they're talking about maybe allowing retail stores to open at 25% capacity, all retail, because they would eliminate the essential items list. So we had a question earlier, what, what does that mean for lottery tickets? Well, it means if it was deemed non-essential before, that list will be gone. So I will, for example, potentially be able to walk into advanced electronics 
and look at televisions rather than just look at their website. Uh, so that's one of the things they're talking about. But there's uh, restaurants will remain, their dining rooms will remain closed, fitness centers, gyms will remain closed. They they allowed a couple of was it uh, barbers barber shops, uh, hair salons. Did they say uh, a reflexologist? Was that one of the things? I believe that was on the list. Yes. What yeah, is a reflexologist? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I, this is, this is, I'm deferring uh, to Loren. <laughs> uh, no, it's a different form of therapy. I've actually never been to one before, but it's a type of massage, right? And so they use pressure points, I think, more than they would just uh, a general massage. And they, they're looking to hit certain maybe organs. So if you have an issue with, say, your kidney, they might have a pressure point at a different part of your body that helps out. That's how I understand it. You were bang now, on. We're going to get hammered with reflexologist texts right now. Just, <laughs> All the reflexologists out there are going to write in and tell me I'm wrong. But you know what? I'd be happy to come to you and you could show me how it works because it sounds pretty good to me. But yeah, like there's a, there's a different list of things that are changing uh, and that are going to be allowed to potentially operate going forward. And so there's, there's as always with this, there's been winners and losers, and that's perhaps too broad stroke of term. But if you're anyone who's getting to reopen, hopefully in the next few days, you, you got to be going all in on that one and if you're someone who's saying i don't get to reopen i can appreciate you're not happy right now yeah another three weeks uh greg we had a text message from richard uh hang on a second here or pardon me this was an email to brett at cjob.com richard suggests in my opinion restaurants could have been open all along here's how 25 percent capacity only people from the same household showing ID can sit at a table. If you want to meet a friend or someone outside your household, you would each have to sit at separate tables and no community transmission then. Masks would have to be worn except when seated. What do you think of that? I think it's innovative. I think it's uh, almost too practical for some people to think about. We've discussed the whole notion with some retailers, the idea of maybe having appointments and then that way you would have their contact information and you would dramatically reduce the amount of uh, foot traffic. There would be no actual foot traffic. It would be by appointment only and it would subscribe to, in most cases, dramatically less than the prescription that's being laid out at the big box stores for 25% of capacity. So yes, I'm in favor of anything A, that's innovative, B, that makes sense, and C, allows businesses to operate safely and generate some some revenue in the same fashion. So you can cast your vote on what you think at cjob.com. The question of the day, what do you think of these proposed changes? You can also cast your vote on Twitter at 680CJOB. It's Mackley. Oh, go ahead. I just have to say, as I knew it was, about 17,000 texts on reflexology right now. It's administered to your feet usually as pressure points to help with foot issues and or other parts of the body. But then I'm sure the text will be continue to come because I still might not have that quite right. We just need to go, Brett. You were Let's pretty go much, to one. You were pretty much bang on. You started well, talking about okay. pressure, pressure points. No one's correcting you here. Oh, there's, I could get some feedback. You know what? I like feedback. Keep it coming. I'm ready to go to Yvette's a reflexologist. She deals with chronic foot pain and I'm texting her right now. Let's see what she can do for me. <laughs> Uh, do you have the gout? Is that uh, <laughs> you have- not that I'm aware of? But I I do have struggled, as I said, with my shoeless lifestyle right now. So maybe she can help me out.
Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. Normally we talk to Jeff Courier here, but we've got the inauguration day coverage starting at 10 a.m. with Donna Friesen. So we're going to give away our $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. We will declare our winner in two minutes' time. Loren, did you see Teresa's text and how passwords led to a series of rather unfortunate events? Teresa's had some issues, uh, and as we all have with passwords, which is what prompted this whole conversation. So she says, this is my password story. I finished work late, but I had to use the computer at work to print off something I urgently needed. So I typed in my password to find it had expired and had trouble trying to reset it. After calling the computer tech on duty, everything was resolved and my information got printed off. The problem was the clock ticked away and it was later than I would have liked. I rushed the bus stop, but I just missed the bus, had to wait almost half an hour for the next one. By the time I reached downtown, I missed the last bus I needed to transfer. I was now stranded downtown until the buses started running in the morning. I went to the police station in hopes of a safe place to wait it out. The security guard found two people who were leaving who offered me a ride home. I was so relieved. Teresa, great story. And uh, password. Brutal. It, oh, my the fault word. of the password. Oh, my word. <laughs> a, a, a sleepless night on the streets of Winnipeg thanks to uh, passwords, essentially. Yikes. And, uh, Greg, do you see Tony's text here? I see Tony's. I work for a school division, and when you call in sick, you have to punch it in on a computer or phone. Well, one day, I couldn't fall asleep till TM, uh, till 2 a.m. Had to be up for 6. Woke up with a headache, went on my phone to put it in on the system. Well, I forgot the password, got locked out of the school subfinder program, and in other words, was forced to go to work. Now, I leave the password uh, on the nightside table. Awful program before we just used to phone. <laughs> so wow. thank, yeah, thank you for another great story. But here, our winner is actually a meme from Deb that encompasses what creating a password is like these days and how irritating it can be. And it reads, creating a password. So the word used is cabbage. Sorry, the password must be more than eight characters. All right. Boiled cabbage. Sorry, the password must contain one numerical character. Okay. One boiled cabbage. Sorry, the password cannot have blank spaces. 50 effing boiled cabbages. Sorry, the password must contain at least one uppercase character. (laughs) 50 stinking boiled cabbages. Sorry, the password cannot use more than one uppercase character consecutively. 50 stinking boiled cabbages shoved up your butt if you don't give me access immediately. Sorry, the password cannot contain punctuation. (laughs) And then finally, a really long one, and it says, sorry, the password's already in use. Yes, that's what it's like sometimes, trying to create a uh, password. You nailed it, Deb. You win the gift card. Thank you, everyone, for your text messages. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.